shining a beacon on the bazaar. Right then, our kid. I think he's been a bit of bother at Kraken Cove, you know. Mm. There's been rumblings. And tumblings. And tumblings. The ground has been shaking a little bit. I've seen whirlpools and eddies out in the seas. The tide's gone out at times and not come back, and it's come back in and not gone away again. Are <laughs> <laughs> we going back out again? Oh, we have to do it. We've got to do the check. So it's time for us to get into the Kraken Cove mini sub. Right, the Nautilus. <laughs> <laughs> I do quite enjoy it. It's getting part of my daily life, is it? Well, that's it. That's what you need to do sometimes. We've got to keep an eye on the island. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. It's not just all about casting a light out for the ships. It's sometimes it's casting our eye into the deeps. The deep, dark blues. Oh, well, that's what we need to do. So now, what we need to do is get along to the harbour and... Got your big trusty sea boots on. Yeah, ready. Nice got your big thick jumpy on. Yep, got it all. Got your packed lunch. Yep, got it. Got right. a bottle of rum as well. <laughs> you can leave that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing this every time. Well, they could see you, would they? <laughs> I'll leave it on shore. Oh, these flasks of tea. We don't want to. We don't lose control of things down there. Do I try better when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I drive this thing. <laughs> You're manning the harpoon stations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because this is Kraken Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And we're about to descend into the Kraken Cove mini-sub to go do our circuit of the island. Because we've got to check out what's been going wrong, what's happening, what the aggro is. You know. So here we go now. We're going to go up onto, that, onto the ladder. Down the ladder we go. Tight squeeze. Right, onto the deck, so I can remember. Shut the hatch this time, won't you? I've got it, I've got it. I won't forget twice, actually. <laughs> there we go, nice and tight. Right. Jump into your seat and I'll jump into mine. I'll take the handbrake off. <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. we've got to be down here today is because I think we might have cursed ourselves a little bit you see yeah. Uh, yeah well the reason is is because if you remember a couple of episodes ago we were talking about octopuses and their venom and things like this oh, you know, yeah. and how they can't be very dangerous it's if you eat one and things yeah, yeah. I couldn't be more wrong <gasps> you fucked up <laughs> I, I just presumed so I thought well I did do those I thought do you know what I need to do I need to go away and do a little bit more research make amends make amends so I'm taking a bit of a deep dive into the world of the cephalopod wow and that's the creature that involves things like uh, your squids your octopi all this sort of stuff you know what I mean it's like it's, it's a cuttlefish that's a cephalopod oh, yeah, as well yeah, yeah. they're all part of the same family kind of thing yeah. now, are they related or are they just quite termed and they're all under the thing of cephalopod. It's right, the same thing yeah, as like yeah. where where like mammals kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. These are cephalopods. Yeah. So there's these other things that go under theirs as well. I think the Nautilus 
is a type of cephalopod. What, which is a submarine? Not this, which what it's named after, but it's uh, like there's a, there's a... Captain a, Nemo. A, a, Captain Nemo, it is, but what it is, is... <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> what it is, it's like a, like a little squid that right. lives in a shell. The Nautilus shell oh. is a spiral shell. And oh, does it, does it kind of... Jets water out yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right, I've yeah. seen it, yeah. And there's another one known as the paper octopus, mm-hmm. um, which is actually called an argonaut, ah. which is Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, I love it. And that's what it. that is. That's a little octopus that lives. Uh, so rather than a squid, it's a little octopus yeah. that lives in a, a, like a thin, deeper shell that sometimes washes up on the shores. Mm-hmm. They're very beautiful. Wow. I'm actually I'm actually carving one at the moment as a as a line of Lovely. So hopefully that'd be nice. No. Well, <laughs> So what I did, I had to look at what actually happens with cephalopods then, you know, how dangerous are cephalopods, mm-hmm. you know. And you th- I always thought, well, you know, they don't, they're, they're pretty harmless creatures, they don't get up to much harm, you know what I mean, anything like that. Oh no, they've got a dark side, because as we know, they've got a bit of a temper. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they love a slap. <laughs> they like to lash out at all and sundry. <laughs> and it's not just humans or fish or things like that that they've been lashing out, it's just pretty bad badass really you know? yeah there is so the, luckily there's um, in wikipedia there is a whole thing on cephalopod attacks ah <laughs> sweet so we're gonna have a little bit of a deep dive into that kind of thing now while you know? we're deep diving oh that's it well this is the reason this yeah, is the reason why yeah. we're deep diving now in a little mini zone and as you can see if you just look outside the left hand port you can just see like the octopus uh, families all sort of like oh, scuttling around there yeah. you know that's pretty good isn't it and if you look if you look on the right hand side out of the port there you'll see all the fish shot keeping out of the way they don't want no slaps they don't want no slaps <laughs> that's the way it's kind of working right so the way things work is like for example with the giant squid right mm-hmm. we're going to start with that really because it's like the tentacles are the major organs used by squid for defending and hunting and they're often confused with arms yeah. right so they're tentacles so the octopus have eight arms now if you look at a squid you'll see that they've got like six arms mm-hmm. but these two long tentacles come down as well super super long that's where the, the main length of a, a, a giant squid or a squid is yeah, it's yeah. these two extra arms so octopuses have eight arms and while squid and cuttlefish have eight arms they have two tentacles as well, so that's the kind of way things work out there. So these uh, tentacles are generally longer than arms and typically have suckers only on their end instead of along the entire length, right? The giant squid and colossal squid. Whoa, is that bigger than the giant? Well, the thing is, the giant squid's longer, yeah. but the colossal squid has a bigger body. It's <laughs> got more girth. It's got more girth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have some of the largest tentacles in the world, right? I don't know, mine are pretty big, Aki. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> But the thing is with these, um, oh my god, god, it's just going to sound dirty and dirty you now. Because <laughs> they've got suckers capable of producing suction forces more than 800 kilopascals, right? Which, to put that into sort of perspective, Lemons, is yeah. 100 pounds per square inch. Now, it's about well, it's hard to. Pounds, it could lift a hundred pounds per square inch. It exerts that kind of pressure. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, that's it. Now, but to give you some sort of example of that is like your, say, for example, your ordinary bike that you'd be driving riding around with. You know, when you're going on the island of that little tight old mountain bike oh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 
on the tyres of that they're probably pumped at most to 40 psi ah, pounds like per square inch yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like a car tyre would be up to yeah. that as well so that's enough to carry but if you think of that wow. but the um, a racing bicycle you know what I mean like, a, like yeah, using yeah. Tour de France they'll go up to like 110 psi wow. but when they burst they, they sort of create like a massive shockwave and the bang is just is it's it? enough to, oh it's incredible wow. the noise and because the pressure is so immense yeah yeah uh, so 100 psi is what they can exert so for example they were grip onto you they probably rip your face off oh, very easily oh, cool right? man yeah they're just there <laughs> but what they have is they don't have just a hook here. as i thought they have, don't have just have like a hook in the middle yeah the entire circumference of the disc is hooks Ugh. so it's not only is it sucking on here it can grip on you with these hooks as well so it just it just ripped the hell out of you chunks isn't it? yeah yeah literally those whale ones that's why i'm going off really with it when they've got those badass scars all over the body that's stuff, it yeah you know i mean just literally sucked in ripped a chunk off it yeah that's Oof. it so yeah they, they, they can rip a chunk off of it if need be you know what i mean so do they do that for eaties or just defensive Oh, it's both. Yeah. Yeah, it's both. If they're in a tussle, sort of like, they'll because some species are super aggressive. Yeah. And so they'll just decide, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of, you know, attack this fish or attack that creature or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I think they've got because they're super aggressive. It doesn't matter to them whether it's eaten or not. I think yeah. It's just that's yeah. how they attack. You know. Yeah, anything goes by them, they're having it. That's they're exactly it. Yeah. But the thing is, once they've got hold of their prey. Yeah. These, these creatures, right? Because it's how they eat then. Wow. And what a lot of people don't know is they've got like a beak. Yeah. But these beaks can get big. Now, one of the only examples they had before of um, what how they knew that giant squid were alive is when they'd caught whales and cut them open. The only part of the uh, giant squid that isn't sort of digestible is the beaks. Wow. So they found monster beaks oh. in the bellies of these uh, 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 sperm whales yeah. when they've been, they've been out hunting. God, so. it's like Titan battles down there. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Imagine seeing them fight. Well, weirdly enough, actually, it, um, I think it was Clash of the Titans. The Kraken was classed as a Titan. Ah, so yeah. that's a, that you know, that could fall in with that kind of thinking. So yeah. they, they suddenly realised that they were catching squid on their own coast or octopus on their own coast, and they'd get a bit of beak and they're like, oh, look at the size of this beak. It's almost as big as my thumb. Yeah. You know, and then they get this thing out, which is sort of almost as big as the head, oh sort of thing. God. So re that's the clue that they realise there's something massive down there. You know. Just going back to really offshooty, but like you said about whales getting smarter and you know tackling the problem more with hunting boats and just general human uh, chaos. And you wonder if the giant squid were attacking boats back then. You know, you could have seen the old yeah. classic picture, and they could have thought, you know what, let's just not be aggressive to those fuckers up there because they are pretty bad. You know, what I mean? yeah. Uh, let's just keep keep to the dark deep. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that I think there's, there's, I think there's truth to both sides oh. of this. <laughs> this is what's the fun thing because this is going to be a special this is, oh, this is a deep sweetness. dive special Hello. so we're not going to go to the surface at all today yeah. <laughs> let's keep cosy down let's here let's keep cosy down here you see so that's it you see so the beak right of the cephalopod right it resembles that of a parrot right. that's the way it looks and it's a tough it's a tough structure made of chitin right to use the same stuff as your hair or fingernails yeah that's yeah. the way it's made up right and it's and it marks the beginning of the cephalopod's digestive system Colossal squid use their beaks for shearing and slicing prey's flesh to allow the pieces to travel its narrow esophagus. Right. 
and one of the largest beaks ever recorded, right, was on a 495 kilo colossal squid. So that is some immense weight, is that, you know, that's like 1,000 pounds in weight, you know. Have they seen this colossal squid, or is this another one that have just found the beaks in the whale's bellies? Because they've never really seen the giant squid properly, have they? Except oh, no, dead they body. oh, no, they have. The, the, have they? Uh, yeah, I think it was in 2010 or 12. Wow. A, a, a Japanese researcher, he'd been hunting them, and he found the areas where, where they are in the water, and he realised oh. they actually inhabit, like, um, I think it's the twilight zone is where yeah, they actually yeah. have it which is pretty apt <laughs> 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 yeah that's it you see so they they sort of inhabit this area so you thought well if i fish for them at those depths yeah, yeah. with the sort of like the right prey for it and which weirdly enough is usually a, another piece of squid yeah. right uh, and suddenly out of the depths came this gigantic huge Jeez, you know, it was, it was, well, it was a giant squid that came out. It wasn't wow. a colossus, but it was a giant squid that came that came after it. Big boy and all. Big boy, yeah. Wow. And it was these tentacles are thrashing around. You can see it on YouTube, you know. Oh, and cool. they actually grabbed it and hooked it. And as they're towing it along, you can see it thrashing around. <laughs> and it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's pretty serious, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But they have found ones which have... There was one in a Japanese harbour that was alive yeah. and had just come up to the surface for whatever reason, probably very ill or something yeah. like that. And you could see it in the harbour. I think a guy actually swam with it, which I wouldn't be doing. No, would you, hell? Imagine suddenly walk up. Oh, I know it is. I'm just hungry. Yeah, <laughs> just wraps it all around. You ain't got a chance, have you? Not a chance against stuff like that. No, just, just totally knack you, you know. But I think this particular beak, uh, because of the no, the kind of weight of a creature mm. to its beak yeah, I think yeah. It, you know, so that's that's the biggest one they ever found so many beaks have been discovered in the stomachs of sperm whales just as we said because we know that the stomach juices dissolve the f soft flesh of the squid but not and leaves the beaks but um, I think one of the biggest ones they ever found indicated that the squid was 600 to 700 kilograms which is just just it's absolutely like dinosaur shit in yeah, it. that's it but all po uh, but we also have venom so mm -hmm. the way this works is all octopuses have venom, but few are fatally dangerous. The greater blue-ringed octopus, however, is considered to be one of the most venomous animals known. And the venom of one is enough to kill ten grown men. Wow, right. So what it uses, it uses a neurotoxin which is called tetrodotoxin, right? Which quickly causes respiratory arrest, so you suddenly your lungs stop working. Oh God. Right. Estimates of the number of recorded fatalities caused by blue-ringed octopuses vary ranging from 7 to 16 deaths. So, you know, there's not, you know... How, sorry, how's the poison getting in? Very good uh, question, that's the thing. What they've got, what they do is they bite you... With the beak? With the beak. Yeah, yeah. But their tongue is almost like a, a syringe. Oh. It's a hard... So what it, it plunges the tongue into you and squirts. This <laughs> 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 is getting a bit erotic, Aggie. <laughs> Steady. I'm getting a bit hard. <laughs> Down here alone, will you? <laughs> <laughs> what goes on tour stays on tour. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, and it injects this this toxic, uh, toxic yeah. wow, injector tongue. Yeah, it's got an injector tongue, which is absolutely weird. Yeah. yeah. But then again, do you know what its dick is? What? <laughs> its dick is one of its tentacles. Wow. And quite often, where they mate is about buying because they have no sexual organs, as in there's no sort of a vagina. Yeah. Right. The pierce the side of a female octopus with their tentacle yeah. and shoot through that. 
just weird alien ah, creatures. It's so there. alien, isn't it? Yeah. Like wrecking through straight in. Yeah, it is. It's like injectors all over it, so it's got its cock and its tongue. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but that did actually, uh, if you think about it, I, don't know, I think it's called The Mermaid's Job, The Octopus's Dream. I can't remember the name of the title of this particular. Well, porno, you see. Uh, uh, really? Well, in a weird way, yes. <laughs> because this was uh, the uh, Hokusai, the artist who used to do uh, oh. that, the great. In fact, I've even got, I'll show you now, I've got my great weird socks on. <laughs> Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> great wave socks. <laughs> great wave socks. Excellent. Great wave That is one of my favourite paintings ever. Yeah, that is it's cool, is really good. But um, the same artist who did that yeah. did a very, very detailed woodcut, which um, you might have seen yeah. it, where there's like a, a maiden being basically filleted yeah. by. Um, oh, is it filleted? Is that the right word? I thought someone would even go. Cunilingus, that's oh, the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's been pleasured by yeah. a brace of octopuses. Ooh. And they're all tweaking the nipples and going down on her and stuff like that. <laughs> I've seen the modern equivalent in through my studies. <laughs> oh, oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're they're a dangerous little thing. You'd be be messing with this. That yeah. sort of thing is the octopus. Don't mess with the octopus because it'll absolutely have you. So what we need to look at now is actual attacks. Oh wow! On humans. So yeah. 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 So Alfred Brehm was born eighteen twenty nine, literally eighteen eighty four. In the 19th century, he was one of the most significant naturalists of the, 20th, uh, of the 20th century. And in the section on giant squid in his famous book, Life of Animals, he mentions most of the data on these giant octopuses can be found in Monfort's book, The Natural History of Mollusks. And there is talk of a sea monster grabbing the mast of a ship off the coast of Angola with its arms and almost pulling the ship down into the abyss, on the occasion of which the lucky crew painted this great danger in a vow on the chapel of St. Thomas of Marlow. Oh, wow. So, so there's a chapel there, which I've not had a chance to look up. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're without the ability to look up pictures today, because we're mm. down here, there's no signal. Yeah. You know, I mean, We can't look at the way we're back machine easily, so <laughs> we just have to use our imaginations. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so the, 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 this is a big... So what I'll do, though, I will find it, yeah, and I'll post that on that. That sounds so... That's what I want. I want a boat, you know, teetering into the big sink. That's it. You know what I mean? Octopus all over it, and he said he further talks about another creature in the wake of Montfort, uh, Captain Dens. It pulled. Uh, well, I, I don't know where that is actually, but he pulled some sailors off the ship's rack with his arms, and they sent Ilona, the end of one arm which was stuck in the rigging of the ship and which had to be cut off, proved to be twenty-five feet long and has oh. several rows of suction discs upon it. Oh, that is so groovy. Now what you have to remember about that is, so he's describing this, this is in about the 1830s, 1840s he's describing this. They're describing one of these arms and they've got it dead right. 25 feet long, several rows of suction discs on it. It proves that because this was in the rigging, it lashed its arms up and had attacked sailors. Wow, oh that's one. Douglas and James Mason beating the shit out yeah. of it. Well, uh, the American traveller Frederick O'Brien, 1869 to 1932, reports during his research in the Marquesas Islands that a relative of one of the locals was killed by a large octopus living in the coastal countryside. <laughs> now, it says the countryside here. Now, I'm thinking, <laughs> like, I don't think it sort of slithered ashore, <laughs> yeah, although they can move quickly across land. Did, what did they breathe? Um, oh no, they, breathe, they need to be underwater. Yeah, 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 yeah. they are underwater. They don't breathe there, yeah. you know. But but they can survive on on land quite a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's one of those weird, weird creatures. 
So sometime in the, uh, in the 20th century, a diver was attacked by a large octopus in the military port of Toulon. The diver was almost drowned and lost consciousness. Luckily, the diver's companion was able to pull him out of the water and only there could they get the animal off of him, right? Oh. Now, this was an octopus here, right? And it weighed 60 kilos. How much do I weigh? I don't know. <laughs> How much do you weigh? Well, tell you what, what I, I've been looking at you when I'm doing the beer course that I did, yeah, right? Yeah. A big barrel of beer in a metal keg, right? It's yeah. 50 kilos. <gasps> wow, 60 kilos. So 60 kilos, so it's, it's difficult to lift off the ground. Yeah. That's how heavy this is, right? And it had legs eight meters long. Oh, God. Right? And this is an bra. octopus. That's a beast, is oh. that, you know? And according to a certain Pernetti, right, uh, in his book Voyage or Ile Malouines, uh, off the coast of Angola, a huge eight armed octopus climbed aboard <laughs> and it was so severe that the ship capsized halfway and the rest of the story is unknown so it's, it's a CB oh, story is that yeah, one you know yeah. like, come on you know? <laughs> so while octopuses generally avoid humans attacks have actually been verified so for example a 240 centimeter eight foot a Pacific octopus said to be nearly perfectly camouflaged lunged at a diver and wrangled over his camera. God. So he tried to just snatch his camera yeah, off of him. Mugging undersea. Yeah, undersea mugging wow. by, by, a, by an eight-foot octopus. <laughs> just think of that thing getting you on. It's like camouflage, but you're just swimming along and they are camouflaged, yeah. are they? When they just switch and they're just like, whoa. And but this supposedly was an attack on a Staten Island ferry in New York. It was a static caravan. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a breed! Bloody hell, that old dude on its ass, <laughs> What a sight that Can you imagine sat there, they're all in the fucking cheese and toast and a pot of tea in front window and something. <laughs> Play Monopoly. <laughs> What's that sucker on window, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> Just get hauled into the decks yeah. there. <laughs> Oh, careful, love! It's, it's scratched the paperwork on me, on me rather than the plot. What were it then? Not a static caravan, what were it? It was an attack on the Staten Island Ferry. Oh, what? Even better. In New York, leading to the loss of the ferry. Commemorated by a bronze sculpture installed in 2016, but it never actually occurred. You oh. know? Nor was there any such ferry disaster. I think it's one of these things that. The time that this was talking about this sort of thing happening, yeah. there was a time when the, especially in New York, the New York papers were, were real ones for fantastical stories. Yeah. And the reason was because there was quite a lot of news, new newspapers coming out. It was big, big money. Yeah, this was the time of the newsies, the little yeah, lads used to deliver. Yeah, read all about it, read all about it. Got it for a nickel. <laughs> you know, these little kids, that's it, Citizen Kane, all that yeah. kind of malarkey, you know, all the, all the big newspaper barons. Yeah, and they were competing over people, so the stories became more and more sensational. Wow, and they needed that front page. Well, they actually led to riots, some of these stories, oh. because there was big fears and panics, and yeah. the great flaps, yeah. you know, and of course, you create big flaps, you get big aggro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, so what, what it was, you see, this bronze sculpture was installed in place, and people talked about it, and they were saying, wow, this is amazing. But the artist responsible for the sculpture admit it was a multimedia art project and social experience not maliciously about how gullible people are so you can actually create history yeah. in that sort of way and one of my favorite ones for that was actually the um uh, 
funeral violinists or, fun or your funerary fiddlers, I think they call them, which you know, sounds a bit nasty. Yeah. This is a bit Jimmy Savile, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but what this guy did, he, he wrote a book about the history of fu funeral fiddling. And, you know, these, with, so what had happened is that uh, these guy violinists had turned up to funerals yeah. and play these great laments. Yeah. And there, the reason was they'd play these wonderful, super sad stock songs yeah. to draw tears from the mourners. Wow. And of course, the more crying and more upset people were, of course, the more that kind of meant to the occasion, yeah, you know. Yeah. And as a result, numerous fiddlers would turn up and play and compete with each other. <laughs> Competing yeah. fiddlers. And yeah. this guy wrote this book about it. It's apparently a brilliant book, it's much acclaim totally untrue oh wow just, he, he just, just decided to do it and he admitted it afterwards he said oh, yeah. just, just, I've just made it all up god that's yeah. fantastic it's but it's true isn't it when you look at the past and you see something linked to the past or someone yeah. dead commemorating something it's just like you don't believe yeah. it you stick it on natural I don't think as well we, we, we want nothing more than to believe there's a great Staten Island ferry disaster yeah. where a giant octopus came out and hauled <laughs> the ferry under the sea you know, <laughs> we want it to be true yeah, don't we yeah, you know, well I, mean, fantastic. I want to believe you yeah, know yeah, yeah. It's, that's I'm believing it yeah. <laughs> but because of these sort of like talks and stuff like this and these these uh, rumours there was a big thing went on in um, in America on the uh, coastal United States it suddenly became another craze yeah Octopus wrestling became a thing. Wow! Yeah, and so that's real. That is real. Oh God, all the footage of that. Yeah, so it's like this was during the nineteen sixties. So potentially, oh. is footage somewhere of this. So what we'll do again, I'll be doing a bit of research later on, see if we can find a picture, and we'll be looking to see if we can find footage or some more inter interest and the craze of octopus wrestling oh, in the nineteen sixties. Because I was thinking that earlier on, I thought right, if we told it, it would be machete or something. Glued, screwdrivers glued to your hand you might have a chance with it aren't you a big yeah. pair of scissors or something <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, we'll smash that. Uh, but bare handed it's like yeah. wrestling an octopus so you are no way Yo, that's how people are doing it people were doing it it was like a big craze <laughs> I think what they did like at the start of the day or they'd got the fishermen and they'd buy like big octopuses that they'd hauled in yeah. and then they'd just have these competitions to fight it kind of oh, thing but and I didn't know that it, after a while, it's sort of like I think people did think, hang on, this is really stupid, let's yeah. stop doing this now. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. And of course, there's like animal rights. Sort of you'd have to do it fair, you'd have to dip it back in tank in between rounds, you know what I mean? You'd let, yeah, him, get him, yeah, yeah. let him have a breather. Well, I don't know how many they had, I don't know whether they all had your own octopus and off you yeah, went, sort of thing. Right. I don't know, there's numerous bouts with numerous beasts. <laughs> oh, God, I want to go see that hot dog and a beer watching yeah. that. And then Happy the one that used to be the what's his name in, in England was very popular, the um, uh, boxing kangaroo, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you what? You're taking piss now. No, no, it's totally what? true. Get fighting a kangaroo. They, they would put a full-grown kangaroo in the ring. They would put boxing gloves on it because they do punch. Oh Jesus! And I've then, seen them. You couldn't fight a man. A man I, I, I've seen film footage of it. I have watched film footage. Oh, of they were hard as hell back then, weren't they? they yeah. Some miner or something. Get a miner out ground. Go on. All him open and make you fight Jesus. a kangaroo. Wet. They're awful. The kangaroos are massive. <laughs> they're violent beasts. I know. This is it. You just wow. gotta be so careful. Look at this about and disembowel you with the feet very quickly. Just yeah, with the feet. Because <laughs> what they do is they rest back on the tail. Yeah. And then they just kick you as hard as they can on the stomach. And of course, these are a creature that can travel at 35 miles an hour. Oh, that's you know, so the kick is just. Just it just demolish, yeah, it just demolish you completely. Well, fair for like kangaroo keeping gloves on and not using feet. That's quite intelligent. Know, mixed martial arts, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be watching gloves, wouldn't you? Next thing you've got a kicking ghoulies at 35 <laughs> a mile an hour. 
Rory! Imagine, just shatter them up. Just fly off. Fly off! Up at church roof. Run it around trying to find your knacker sack. <laughs> but, um, but I don't know if you ever watched uh, um, Jeremy Wade. You know what I mean? He does like river monsters. And oh all yeah, that yeah. Sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he, goes, he, he, uh, he reported that a fisherman has been attacked by a giant octopus on the North American coast of the Pacific Ocean. He says that one of these, the giant Pacific octopus, wow. has attacked there. And that is a that's a big one. That's like yeah. an eight foot or ten foot. And this is the octopus world. Yeah. You know? yeah. But the one that's interesting for a lot of us for these sort of attacks is the giant or colossal squid. Yeah, right, that's the one. The one big yeah, bite. yeah. And the most common question that arises about giant squid is whether these huge animals attack humans or pose threats to ships. Now you must answer this question in the affirmative. Wow. Right. Cool. Although certainly not in the case of large modern cruise ships. Yeah. But there is no doubt, however, that a small ship or boat can occasionally be attacked by such a giant. The fact that there are few examples of this is obviously due to the fact that the giants do not come close to the surface. And it's also our good fortune because if we were not, it would certainly be a danger to boaters. Now, one thing you also have to understand is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, th th these are a deep, deep sea and out far out into the ocean. These creatures yeah, as well. Yeah. There's not many examples of this, but what there is is these examples of lots of small boats going missing. <laughs> so who's to say it's not more prevalent than we think, you know what I mean? Reliable witnesses report that the squid has attacked in recent times, even by larger ships, you know what I mean? So the, the Arcatuthids, that's the sort of the Latin for them, right? Swam around ships travelling around 40 kilometres an hour, which is 25 miles an hour in the water. That's how big these things, you know? And that's for a big uh, aquatic animal. It's just incredible, yeah. right? And they launched an attack on the ship after doing that. Like one of them, or they want a gang of them, with it? Like there's a few of them. Oh no! Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but we can assume that the hull of the ship was viewed by these giant squid, right, yeah. as, a, as a type of fish. Well, as a food to see it going for it. For in some places, they try to bite into it where the brains of these fish are. So I think that must be a tactic. They know where to go for it, yeah, bite yeah. in. You know what I mean? Beak first. That's it, you know. Yeah, but so there was a French ship called a Ville de Paris, right, which participated in the American War of Independence. And they say there it was in the company of nine other ships when she was attacked by huge giant squids. Oh, guy. Right? And it was thought to be dragged down into the deep. But they did view, this was viewed, this was seen, this was witnessed <laughs> by the other ships, right? But the thinking, the actual, that the ship was dragged down yeah. might have been a legend. Because yeah. the thing is, it was uh, the thing. It actually sank in a storm in seventeen eighty two, but there was yeah. a witness to it being attacked by giant squids. Oh, put all in it. Yeah, um, Hungarian traveller Dr. Andrei Jekyll tells several of the above stories. Right, so that on on twenty sixth of October eighteen seventy three, three men were fishing in the Belle Isle, which is the uh, Newfoundland, Newfoundland and Labrador areas, and they were attacked by a huge giant squid. And one of the fishermen cut off one of the squid's uh, squid's arms, right? And based on this, the length of the animal was subsequently estimated at 14 meters, which is 46 feet. Oh my God, that's so cool! He's axing it off or something. Yeah, that's a hard for it. Yeah. So Captain Jing Magnus Den's ship, which we've already talked about, the Alona Islands, and so that's where the one was actually the arm was caught yeah, in yeah. caught in the thing there. Yeah. Um, in 1874, a report report appeared in the Indian newspaper stating that on the 10th of May of the current year, a ship called Strathoin was leaving Colombo for Madras uh, through the Bay of Bengal. 
In the distance, a small sailboat appeared, to which a huge crowd swam with whipping movements and then climbed on it. It was a giant squid. <laughs> so the first I thought this, I could see a boiling in the water, and I thought, yeah. oh wow, there's loads of people swimming out. It wasn't. It was oh, a giant wow. octopus or squid, right? And the small ship was soon capsized and then sank. And the crew of the small boat got into the water, but they were picked up by the crew of the Strathoic. And it's Captain James Floyd reported that the small ship was called Pearl, weighing 140 tons. <laughs> so it's no robot. Now, so it's no robot, right? They, they claim that they themselves shot the squid floating in silence, which made him furious and climbed onto the ship. <laughs> so they've had a pop at it with the rifles and these yeah. things, that you, and it just seems to be floating there. Yeah. The shot is going into a fury, right? <laughs> Two sailors died in the squid's arms. Oh, wow, crushed. And a third disappeared, presumed drowned, right? My God. The, the squid body was said to be at least as thick as a small ship, with arms thick in wood, right? So it's like the same, like a big body like or something, yeah. So I think this is a little bit of a sad one as well, but in the 1930s, the Norwegian tanker Brunswick reportedly having been attacked by a giant squid on the south of the Pacific between Hawaii and Samoa. And the animal tried unsuccessfully to grip the ship with its tentacles before being killed by the propellers. Oh, so that'd be sushi, a nice dude. One. Yeah, oh, it would have been one, you know what I mean? It's like, wow. But in 2003, the crew of a yacht competing to win the Round the World Jules Verne Trophy reported being attacked by a giant squid several hours after departing from Brittany, France. The squid, the squid was said to have latched onto the ship, blocking the rudder with two tentacles. So it's reached under and it's grabbed the rudder so it couldn't move, right? And Olivier de Corson, captain of the ship, then stopped the boat, causing the squid to lose interest. And we didn't have anything to scare the beast off, he says. So I don't know how what we would have done if it hadn't let go. So it had seen the movement, and I think it's just seen it as food. Yeah. But if a creature that size sees something like a big boat, it sees, sees that as food. Yeah. Wow. You know? Uh, what is it eating? What it's is getting, it eating? It's like cock at sea, isn't it? Yeah, it thinks it's going to have a pop at anybody. So the, but the uh, another one here is the Humboldt squid. I don't know if you know about the Humboldt no, squid. Right? Really these, these are big lads as well, right? And, but they're notoriously aggressive. Now I've seen some uh, things on these, um, some documentaries on these, and they are so fast, they're like torpedoes. Wow. And they can kill you by hitting you. By oh, by the slap? Oh, you mean they're running into so you? They, yeah, they're running into you. Yeah, they, they sort of swam into you, you in the water, you'd just be dead because it just got bottom. These are solid tubes of muscle. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. not like jelly, I'm thinking like muscly jelly. These are muscle of these things. Oh. And like you say, traveling at 20 mile an hour, it hits Ooh. you, you know what I mean? It just like, it's like a torpedo. You know, but the voracious hunters and feeders are Humboldt squid as well. Yeah. So what we'll do is again with the beak. If you put something in the water, they're going to feeding frenzies. Whoa. So the jetting of filling the water, the uh, the sea with ink, it's got going black, God. slamming into everything. You know what I mean? Beaks flying everywhere. I say in Mexico, they're known as Diablo Rojo, <laughs> right, which is yeah, the man. red devil. <laughs> 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 And wildlife filmmaker Scott Cassell made the documentary Humboldt, the man-eating squid, right? Oh, watch it now. Yeah. But there's some disagreement of the veracity of Humboldt squid's aggression. Some scientists claim that the only reports of aggression towards humans have occurred when reflective diving gear or flashing lights have been present, acting as a provocation. Yeah, because they, they own squid. I've, I've 
I've seen some trippy shit abroad, you know, and they have all the lights out for squid attracting them to like rows that's, and rows of boats and that's all the lights flashing and that. So that that just, just drives them into a frenzy. So they're turning around and saying, you know, oh well it's only if you're wearing flashing lights. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, these things if you are doing that or something happens. And it said like um Roger Uzun, a veteran scuba diver and amateur underwater videographer, swam with the, with a swarm of Humboldt squid for approximately twenty minutes. Later saying they seem more aggre- more curious than aggressive, um, but when not feeding or being hunted, the uh, Humboldt squid exhibit curious and intelligent behaviour. Uh, well, we've got full tum-tums, they're not bad. Yeah, that's it, but you know. Jeremy Wade, again, he, he did a, a, an episode on the Humboldt squid, and a California fisherman claims to have been attacked at a fish table one night as he tried to swim from one boat to another. I don't know what fish table. Of course, in a restaurant. Yeah. He's going to crawl. Oh, he's on a leg. Yeah, he's just going to wallop him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in that same film, a Peruvian fisherman considered the, this animal to be life-threatening. If one gets between them, they will be dragged down into the deep. So I think, like I say, if you're in, in amongst the sort of um, pack, uh, if, you, yeah, if you're in amongst the pack, you'd be you'd just knack it, you know what I mean? And there would be a good chance. As well, another issue you'd have is because the water's kind of boiling, not hot, yeah, but it's yeah. lots of oxygenation of the water. It makes you less buoyant. Oh. So there's a good chance then you'd be sort of sink with it, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, but that's something you have to think about with squid, is that idea that you know things can be sort of the water can be churned up, yeah, let's put yeah. it that way, you know. And one, uh, they interviewed one fisherman who was bitten by the squid on his skull and it broke his skull. Oh, whoa, like a coconut. That's it, just smashed it like a coconut, you know. Oh. So that proves then, you see, our squids and our octopus friends aren't as yeah. sort of perhaps as, as friendly as sort of you might think, you know. Well, is that one out window there, Ak? Is That's that a little there. squid? Yeah. No, he sh- no, see, Johnny is that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have a look. Oh yeah, it does look a bit like a squid. It does, doesn't it? Do you know what the difference is? What? Uh, this one's ripped for her pleasure. Just <laughs> <laughs> throw up down tile. <laughs> talked about as well on that episode a couple of episodes ago uh, about how that woman put an octopus on her face yes you know like, oh no she tried to eat it didn't she? yeah you yeah. know she tried to eat it it ate her back uh, and with a lot of people know the infamous scene in old boy yeah have you seen it where he yeah, gets eats an entire yeah. octopus alive yeah. which is i think it's awful it is. barbaric yeah. great film though <laughs> <laughs> he did add to the film it was nearly yeah, it was, it was, people do cruel shit all the time at least that wore out in a sense. But yeah, that's it. But this is a story from uh, Life Science by Mindy Weisberger. And it was a woman placed an octopus on her face for a photo and then it bit her. So a woman's ill-advised photo attempt with an octopus recently went horribly wrong. After she draped the cephalopod on her face, <laughs> the octopus dug in with its suckers and bit her on the chin, causing a painful infection and sent her to the emergency room. So she's called... Um, Jamie Biskeglia, a resident of Fox Island, Washington, and owner of a fishing company right, called uh, South Sound Salmon Sisters, was trying to create a memorable image for a photo contest. So, Biskeglia was at a local fishing derby in Puget Sound on August the 2nd when she noticed their fishermen had caught an octopus. So she borrowed the animal to take a photo for the derby's contest. Mm. You know, best photo wins sort of thing. Yeah. 
but when she placed the octopus on her face, it sank its beak into her chin. Not once, but twice. And it was like a barbed hook going through into my skin. Which is exactly what a beak is, it's a barbed hook oh my beak. God. And the wound, the wound bled for 30 minutes and was intensely painful. Now this is, this is quite yeah. important, this is what we need to take note of here. After two days elapsed, she was having difficulty swallowing and experienced severe swelling in her face, throat and arms, according to the news, right? And she visited the emergency rooms at Tacoma General Hospital and received antibiotics. But doctors told her that the swelling may come and go for months. I'm about to say, a mucky octopus beak, that is just, that is going to be so mucky, that. Yeah, that's it, you know what I mean? Well, it's not, it's not the muckiness of it, of it right? This is what happened. So, um, an octopus beak looks similar to a parrot's beak, which we know, right? Yeah. And it's embedded in a strong muscle tissue called a buccal mass. Mm -hmm. So this is almost like a, just a bundle of strong muscle fibres, yeah. right? And after an octopus has captured a meal with its muscular arms, it uses its beak and drill-like tongue to break through the shell of its prey. And once there is a hole, the octopus injects a venomous saliva into the prey, and that is what's happened to her. Christ, this is alien, isn't it? This yeah. is proper like alien horror. So if you, if you look at the the uh, symptoms there, so the most important one was that she didn't stop bleeding for half an hour. Yeah. So it shows there's obviously an anticoagulant in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. There's also the fact that she had trouble breathing, massive amounts of swelling. It really just attacked her entire system. Wow. Now this was thought to be either a young giant Pacific octopus or a Pacific red octopus, they don't know which ones. But you wouldn't turn around and think, oh, these are really dangerous, venomous creatures. Yeah, yeah. But no, look what he's done to her. It's completely oh, knacked her, you know what I mean? Breathing to, God, it's all of it. So, the venom contains neurotoxins that cause paralysis, and saliva in the giant Pacific octopus contains the proteins tyramine and cephalotoxin, which paralyze or kill the prey. And other proteins, such as tryptamine oxidase, they dissolve tissue and break it down into a gel-like form. <laughs> so can you imagine that's what's happened to her? She's been, and it just shows, don't be so stupid, don't mess around with creatures. Yeah, you know, so that they can tangle around, don't put it on your head, imagine it choking you out and you can't know what about it. That's it. Imagine trying to get a tentacle off someone's throat, you'd just be all squidgy and just weird. Be all squidgy and weird, that's exactly <laughs> what they're like, you know. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Okay. And by the time it's turned to jelly and stuff like that, oh, you say, Oh, face, yeah. look at her face, it's all jelly. She's melting! <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's that sucking it up with his weird tongue cock syringe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I mean, what an end, what a way to die, <laughs> tongue cock syringe. <laughs> I don't think that's Italian. Yeah, but it sounds cool. <laughs> And a little bit of a left along the headland now, you know what I mean? Seems alright, I can't see any rocks tumbling down her own. No, but he's, you've got to be careful, you see, because you've got to remember why the island is named this. Oh. This is Kraken Cove, after all. Oh my arse, feels like it's going to fall out now, Arkin. What do you mean there might be one down here? Legend has it. Legend has it, there is. And let's face it, what we need to know, we need to know our. Is it our enemy? Who knows? We need to know a little bit more about the Kraken. <gasps> 
Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so this is uh, the poem called The Kraken by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Below the thunders of the upper deep, far, far beneath in the abysmal sea, his ancient dreamless uninvaded sleep, the Kraken sleepeth, faintest sunlight's flame. About his shadowy sides, above him swell, huge sponges of millennial growth and height. And far away into the sickly light, from many a wondrous cross and secret cell, unnumbered and enormous polypi, winnow with giant arms the slumbering green. There hath he lain for ages, and will lie battening upon huge sea worms in his sleep, until the latter fire shall heat the deep, then once by man and angels to be seen, in roaring he shall rise, and on the surface die. Fucking hell, it's like Cthulhu, dude. Yeah, that's it, it's pretty terrifying, isn't it, stuff like that, but it's... I think what we really need to know is we need to know, as in from that, we need to know some descriptions of the Kraken. Because the Kraken itself is like a legend of sort of Scandinavian origin, you know. Oh, it, goes, right. yeah, it goes back a sort of thousand years, maybe I more. Thought it was more Greeky at all? No, it's it's actually sort of. Um, I, I think all along the sort of those coastal from the fjords all the way down to the Mediterranean, yeah, there's yeah. rumours of these beasts and the sightings yeah. of them and things, you know. So we've got here now is a few descriptions of the Kraken. And the thing is, as well about what I need to point out as we're describing it, it's going to get confusing. Because I think people witnessed all sorts of giant creatures in the sea, yeah. and they were all labelled kraken. Yeah, really, yeah. You know, and you only seen them in the sea, you're not seeing the full form. Yeah, you're that's you're it. In scuba. Yeah, you're not you're, you're, yeah, that's <laughs> it. You're not going underwater to see yeah. these things. If you're in the water when you're there, you're dead because yeah. these people can't swim either. Really, you know. So after returning from Greenland, the anonymous author of the old of the old Norwegian natural history work, Konung Skugska. Um, described in detail the physical characteristics, right, and feeding behaviour of these beasts. This was written in 1250. Wow! You know? So the narrator proposed that there must be only two in existence, stemming from the observation that the beast has always been sighted in the same parts of the Greenland Sea, and that each seemed incapable of re reproduction, as there is no increase in their numbers. So they reckon they're just two of these monsters. There is a fish that is still unmentioned, which is scarcely advisable to speak about on account of its size because it will seem to most people incredible. There are only a very few who can speak upon it clearly because it seldom nears land nor appears where it may be seen by fishermen and I suppose they are not many of this fish, sort of fish in the sea. Most often in our tongue we call it hafguffa, right, which is kraken in the translation. Nor can I conclusively speak about its length in elves because the time has shown before man he has appeared more like land than like a fish. So what they say is big as an island sort of thing, <laughs> right? Neither have I heard that one have been caught or found dead, and it seems to me as though there must be no more than two in the oceans, and I deem that each is unable to reproduce itself, for I believe they are always the same ones. Then too, neither would it do for fish in the Hafgufa with such a number as other whales on account of their vastness and how much subsistence that they need. So what the sea is saying here is they're aware of whales because they catch whales. This is bigger than whales. God. 
It is said by the nature of these fish that when one shall desire to eat, then it stretches up its neck with a great belching, and forming this belching comes forth much food, so that all kinds of fish that are near at hand will come to the present location. Then we'll gather together, both small and large, believing they shall obtain their food and good eating. But this great fish lets its mouth stand open the while, and the gap is no less wide than that of a great sound or bite. So it's basically a cove. Yeah, yeah. And no, no, the fish avoid running together there in their great numbers. But as soon as its stomach and mouth is full, then it locks together its jaws and has all the fish caught and enclosed. That before greedily came there looking for food. Wow. So that's. But if you see a um, a lot of different whales, which when they're feeding, yeah. these a lot of them do have their mouths open. Have, seen that yeah. So like, I think that's what he's sort of mistaken that for yeah, a little yeah. bit. I think he's seen that and thought, oh, but a great belching. And that's I all the air bubbles it. and stuff like and that. Just the size of it, you know. He's used to whales, isn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah, a bit like a blue whale. You know yeah. what I mean? So this is the late 13th century version of the old Icelandic saga Orvar Odur. In an inserted episode of Journey Bound Heluland, which is Baffin Island, which takes the protagonist through the Greenland Sea. And here they spot two massive sea monsters, right? And this is what it described as. Now I will tell you that there are two sea monsters. One is called Half Gufa, as I before, which is known as Sea Mist. And another called Lingbacker, which is Heatherback. The Lingbacker is the largest whale in the world, but the half goofer is the largest monster in the sea. Wow. It is the nature of this creature to swallow men and ships, and even whales and everything else within reach, and it stays submerged for days, then rears its head and nostrils above the surface, and stays that way at least until the change of tide. Now that the sound we just sailed through was the space between its jaws, and its nostrils and lower jaw were those rocks that appeared in the sea, while the Lingbacker was the island we saw sinking down. However, Ogmund Tussock <laughs> has sent these creatures to you by means of his magic to cause the death of you and all your men. He thought more men would have gone the same way as those that had already drowned. That's what happened when that Lingbacker sank as an island. And they expected that the half goofer would have swallowed us all. And today I sailed through its mouth because I knew that it had recently surfaced. Ah, so it was full. So it was full, that's it, yeah. And there's just one more here. This is from 1781, and this is a Swedish author called Jacob Wallenberg, right? On his work, Min Son Par Galajan, which is my son on the galley. <laughs> it says, Kraken, also called the crabfish, which is not that huge. For heads and tails counted, he is no larger than our island is wide, which is 16 kilometres <laughs> wide. <laughs> right? And he's over there, that ain't that big. It's not that big. Is it? Is yeah. it? And he stays on the sea floor and is constantly surrounded by innumerable small fishes, which serve as his food and are fed by him in return. So that's that same thing again, yeah, where he yeah. opens their mouth and they feed and then he feeds on them. For his meal lasts no longer than three months, Another three are then added, to, needed to digest it. So he, he feeds solidly for three months, and yeah. he just goes, you know, slumbers yeah. for three. His excrements nurture in the following an army of lesser fish, and for this re reason, fishermen plumb after his resting place. They're trying to find uh, him because yeah. you know his, his, his turds are so sort of uh, nutritious, yummy for the yeah. fishes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gradually. 
Kraken ascends to the surface, and when he's at 10 or 12 fathoms, the boats had better move out of his vicinity, as he will shortly thereafter burst up like a floating island, spurting water from his dreadful nostrils and making ring waves around him which can reach for many miles. Could one doubt that this is the Leviathan of Job? Right, uh, oh, Job, you know. Oh, yeah. So there we have it. So once again, we've got the idea that it could be um, a whale of a type as well. I yeah, think they're yeah, mixing yeah. the creatures up. Or the Kraken itself could be a case of like a whale with massive tentacles or something. Yeah. You know, we don't know. But there's a mention there of the, the ring waves. And do you know what they are? I imagine that when it bursts up, you know, the waves that come off it are dangerous to a ship because it's so huge. Yeah, whirlpools. Oh. And that's another thing that they think that the Kraken is sort of like capable of, it's creating whirlpools. Wow. And it'll create a massive whirlpool by swimming round and round and round, and you'll sink through the whirlpool, then it'll oh. grab you when you're underwater, you know. Oh, that's so mightily cool, isn't it? I know, that's you it. You don't get many whirlpools anymore, do you? It used to be like well popular in the 60s and 70s in movies. Really. I think it was a bit. He was up there, wasn't it, with uh, rabies, um, yeah. killer, killer bees, yeah. <laughs> whirlpools, quicksand. Quicksand, <laughs> yeah, you don't hear anything about quicksand anymore. <laughs> it were all about quicksand when I was yeah. a kid. Global warming's going to dry them all off. I think it something. is. I think it's, to be honest, it's the internet where people don't talk about these little oddities and they realise they're not as dangerous as they seem. There is still some gigantic and terrifying whirlpools in the Scandinavian fjords and stuff. Is yeah, yeah, massive ones. Wow. And they would absolutely, completely and utterly have you. Yeah, if you yeah, and you yeah. just think you just get dragged to the bottom. Oh, imagine right? telling it that. You're trying to get away and you're sucking you slowly in. Oh, that would be awful, wouldn't it? You know, but it's like, you never know, maybe they'll become fashionable again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do some t shirts. What goes around be- comes around. <laughs> <laughs> having little ideas of what the uh, giant squid might be cracking or anything like that we don't know you know we're thinking there's whales there's all sorts of descriptions but we've got a little piece here now um this is for this is a piece by uh, rodrigo brim Taleb salvador and he's a PhD, a phd student of paleontology at the uh, university of tubingen and he's he's written a piece about the real life origins of the legendary kraken wow. right so i'm not going to read all of it i just read a part yeah, yeah. Interest Get well, this is like a scientific legend it, it sort of talks about so the strength of the myth became so strong that the Kraken could still be found in Europe's first modern scientific surveys of the natural world in the 18th century it was listed as an actual creature yeah, be monsters yeah. not even Carl Linnaeus father of modern biological classification could avoid it and he included the Kraken among the cephalopod mollusks in the first edition of his groundbreaking Systema Naturae from 1735. But when, in 1853, a giant cephalopod was found stranded on a Danish beach, Norwegian naturalist Jeppertus Steenstrup recovered the animal's beak and used it to scientifically describe the giant squid Arctuthis ducks. Right? Not ducks as in whack whack. <laughs> and so what had become legend officially entered the annals of science, returning our image of the Kraken to the animal that originated the myths. After 150 years of research into the giant squid that inhabit all of the world's oceans, there is still much debate as to whether they represent a single species or as many as 20 different species. Wow. 
So the largest Archituthis recorded reached 18 metres in length, including the very long pair of tentacles. But the vast majority of specimens are much, much smaller. The giant squid's eyes are the largest in the animal kingdom and are crucial at the dark depths it inhabits, right, which is up to 1,100 metres down, going down to two, so that's two kilometres down. This is insane. So it goes from just one, that's the, that's the window. It's one kilometre down to two kilometres. That's a kilometre of its, yeah. that's where it lives. <clears throat> but what you have to think about is the sperm whale dive down there as well to yeah. those depths too. So that's the deepest diving whale that there is. is that and it's holding its breath. It's an air breather. Yeah. The whale, remember? So I mean, mental. It's just insane in a way. Like some other squid species, Archituthis has pockets in its muscles containing an ammonium solution that is less dense than seawater. This allows the animal to float underwater, meaning that it can keep itself steady without actively swimming. The presence of unpalatable ammonium in their muscles is also probably the reason why giant squid have not yet been fished to near extinction. Now ammonium gives a bleach taste, yeah, like, you know, and it's um, metallic sulfur, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. That means that what they'll do is they'll float at these depths, the long tentacles dangling until something gets near it and then whips around and attacks it, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. Well, it's ghostly, isn't it? Just yeah, floating, just floating there, yeah. For many years, scientists debated whether the giant squid was a swift, agile hunter like the powerful predator of legends, or an ambush hunter. After decades of discussion, a welcome answer came in 2005 with the unprecedented film footage from Japanese researchers T. Kupodera and K. Mori. They filmed a live Archituthis in its natural habitat, 900 metres deep in the North Pacific, showing that it is in fact a fast and powerful swimmer, using its tentacles to capture prey. Despite its size and speed, Archituthis has a predator, the sperm whale, and the battles between these titans must be frequent, since it's common to find scars on whale's skin left by the squid's tentacles and arms, which have suckers lined with sharp, chitinous, tooth-like structures. But Archituthis doesn't have the muscles in its tentacles to use them to constrict its prey and it can never overcome a sperm whale in a duel. Oh. Its only option is to flee, covering its escape with the usual cephalopod ink cloud. Oh, God. Although we now know it is not just a legend, the giant squid remains perhaps the most elusive large animal in the world, which has greatly contributed to its aura of mystery. And many people today are still surprised in learning that it actually exists. After all, even after so much scientific research, the Kraken is still alive in popular imagination, thanks to films, books and computer games, even if it sometimes turns up in the wrong mythology, such as the 1981 and 2010 ancient Greek epic Clash of the Titans. Uh, yeah, yeah. So these representations have come to define it in the public mind, a beast lurking in sunken ships. Waiting for reckless divers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good. <laughs> and that's where we have to be a little bit careful, don't we? You see, because we, we we're diving now, yeah. but we're okay. You see, I think in the Nautilus, I think we're quite safe. You know, I feel like scraping on the hull. Oh, what is that? I mean, man, that apple just in case. Yeah, you'd be ready because you know what? I mean, there's no way we could kill the kraken. Yeah. But at least if we give a what we could do, we could do a running cloud, couldn't we? To sort of like blast out there. Do a do cast. It's It would be bab in the torpedo. I'll sort it. And there'll be a great number of fishes will come swarming. <laughs> yeah, they're all my duke. <laughs> <laughs>
So now we've had loads of different examples of things like, you know, possible attacks, things happening, you know what I mean? We've had hints that perhaps the sort of giant squids are actually in the de in the depths, you know. Yeah. But um we've got evidence here Ooh. of an actual attack and it's oh, and this cool. is quite famous is this because this is on the USS Stein oh no it's an army ship like, yeah that's it yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. have to document it well won't yeah that's it it's, it's the American military so it's part of the, part of the American Navy you know Sweet. and what happened here is this um, it's, it's, it's a Knox class destroyer escort right and what and year what year uh, this is 1976 lovely uh, uh, and it was named after a, a guy called a marine called Tony Stein who received the Medal of Honor posthumously uh, for his part in the Battle of Iwo Jima, or Iwo Jima, wow. you know, so I think he must have been a bit, a bit of a tough cookie, this guy. Uh, so Tony Stein, right, he was born in 1921 and died in uh, 1945, so he's only 23 years old, right, and he's posthumously received the US military's highest decoration, the Medal of Honor, for his actions in World War II, and he received the award for repeatedly making single-handed assaults against the enemy and for aiding wounded marines during the initial assault of Iwo Jima on February 19th, 1945. And he was killed in action 10 days later, oh right? God. And the uh, the actual sort of the Medal of Honor citation reads as such, it says, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity, uh, intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving with Company A in action against the Japanese forces on Iwo Jima, or Iwo Jima. Right, um, the first man of his unit to be on the station after hitting the beach in the initial assault, Corporal Stein, armed with a personally improvised anti, uh, armed with a personally improvised aircraft type weapon. What? <laughs> <laughs> cool man. So I don't know what that is. Right? Swinging a plane round us, or is it just like an anti aircraft gun or something? I think it, yeah, I think it's an anti aircraft weapon or something like what this. Right? It goes Rambo and that. Right. Uh, provided rapid covering fire as the remainder of his platoon attempted to move into position. When his comrades were stalled by a concentrated machine gun and mortar barrage, he gallantly stood upright, exposing himself to the enemy's view, <laughs> not in that way, <laughs> <laughs> thereby drawing the hostile fire to his own person and enabling him to observe the location of the furious blazing hostile guns. Determined to neutralize the strategically placed weapons, he boldly charged the enemy pillboxes one by one and succeeded in killing 20 of the enemy during a furious single-handed assault. Oh my god. Cool and courageous under merciless hails of exploding shells and bullets <laughs> which fell on all sides. On all sides, he continued to deliver the fire of his skillfully improvised weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how terrifying that is. You're in the last pillbox yeah. and you're like, oh shit, look at this dude. Yeah. And it's a tremendous rate of uh, speed which rapidly exhausted his ammunition. Undaunted, he removed his helmet and shoes <laughs> to expedite his movement and ran back to the beach for more ammunition, making a total of eight trips under intense fire and carrying or assisting a wounded man back each time. So he's oh basically done a forest gun. Yeah, he's just done a total gun, yeah. but with machine guns involved as yeah. well. 
Despite, wow. despite the unrelenting savagery and confusion of the battle, he rendered prompt assistance to his platoon whenever the unit was in position, directing the fire of a half-track against a stubborn pillbox until he'd effected the ultimate destruction of the Japanese fortification. <laughs> Later in the day, although his weapon was twice shot from his hands, he personally covered the withdrawal of his platoon to the company position. I mean, can you imagine no, that? And Poor bloke, though. they should have just sent him home then, because you can't keep doing stuff like that, you're going to get killed. No, so I need to have a look at his gun now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it, it's called a Stinger light machine. But it's, it says it's a light machine, but it's, it's not a light machine. Yeah, gun. So it, it needs a tripod, doesn't it? It needs a tripod, but he's just picked it up and just decided. He's just charging around with his thing tucked <laughs> oh, under no his arm. shoes! <laughs> So you can see why you can see why they named a, a battleship yeah, after him. You yeah. know what I mean? But unfortunately, whereas the Japanese failed to get Tony Stein at that time, the the, uh, the USS Stein was attacked. Oh my word! So what happened was um, in 1976, the ship was attacked by an unknown species of giant squid. The, the creature damaged that no foul rubber coating. So it's what it is. They have a coating on the underneath of these ships. Right. It's got like barnacles and stuff like this. Cat get yeah, onto it, yeah. slow them down. And it's called no foul as this rubber coating, right? Uh, the rubber coating of a, a sonar dome was was attacked basically, right, yeah. and over eight percent of the surface coating was damaged, and nearly all of the cuts contained the remnants of the curved claws found on the rims of suction cups of some of these squid's tentacles, Jesus, right? Jesus, it's grabbed all of it and suckering it all Yeah, up. and of course, as we said earlier, you know, 110 pounds of yeah. pressure that can exert with these God. serrated cups. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of aggro, is that? And it's a lot yeah. of bother, you know? So the claws were much larger than any reported. So these, wow. you know, so the creature may have been up to 150 feet in length. Oh, that's insane, isn't it? I'm 150 foot long. That's making the boat look small, isn't yeah. it? Really? And it says, as unbelievable as it sounds, we know more of the moon's surface than the bottom of our oceans. Uh, this, however, on its own, does not prove the existence of undersea monsters such as the USS Stein monster. But it does. It sort of basically does say that we don't know what's down there. Right. I mean, even even now, there's like say the massive uh, uh, species of marine sharks are found all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're fi they're finding things like great whites are washing up with gigantic bite marks taken out of them sometimes. Wow. I mean, massive, and that's like something basically half eaten a great white shark. Because there was something in, you know, they're doing some experiments with sharks, and they were releasing them back into the water, and they had like camera footage rolling, and, and then some of the sharks won't go out of this keeping pen, you know what I mean? Really? There's some really weird shape darted in and tried to attack the sharks and then darted off again and the My sharks were that spooked to not go back out. I mean, like hours, you know, trying to coax them back sure, out. Done it, but, and, you know, they're forced to be kept all the hell it is, you know what I mean? No. But the sharks were mental. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's stuff out there, there's stuff out there we don't know about. And yeah. even, I mean, I think it's quite telling as well, it's the radar dome that got attacked. Yeah. Because I'm thinking there, it could have been something to do with it giving off some sort of, uh, uh, like, rays or something. Yeah. yeah, ping kind of thing. Yeah. And it might be, that's about what pissed off this monster right. squid, made it rise from the depths and oh, attack. Do you think this, did the sailors see out, you know what I mean? No, no, they didn't. Yeah. But then again, 
it's, it's hard. I think the radar dome's underneath. Yeah, yeah. It's actually yeah. beneath they the ship. Boil so. up and start attacking them. No, that's it. You know, oh, oh, that would be a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> I want people's faces ripped out. Like <laughs> Big tentacles thrashing round. That's what we're all proper so see aggro, don't we? You know? yeah, all kicking off. But you know, I think it's, it's only a matter of time before we see something a bit more yeah. or more about it. Or they get science enough to go down there, you know, and see some better footage of themselves. I think that's it. I think it's on the cards. I think it's going to happen. So look, let's we'll watch this story with yeah. growing interest. Watch the scenes. <laughs> time arcade oh I'm loving this one I'm loving it it's time for us to come back up to up to, up to the surface yeah it's fully checked in it with yeah, another full circumference there's, there's nothing dodgy down here that we know of but yeah. we know that just off the shoals off the shores and anything. in the depths and darks it could be anything lurking oh that could be bad but we've got an example of something that might be lurking here it's the last story so god that'd be really interesting so this is called the Ninjen Japanese mermaid or Arctic Cryptid. Sorry, this is by uh, Gaia.com and this is by the staff writers of this one. And it says, Cryptozoologists have been on the hunt for prehistoric maritime creatures like Nessie, Champy and Tessie for decades, if not centuries. And a recent discovery of an 18 million year old shark species has likely fueled the interest of seekers still hoping to make a discovery. But there is one creature that has recently joined the ranks of these elusive cryptids that remains unbeknownst to many. The ninja. Have you heard of that? I am, some ninja fish. Mm. So what started off as an anecdote posted in the popular Japanese online forum has now led to a multitude of sightings and alleged video evidence of an aquatic humanoid fish said to be roughly the size of a whale. Wow. The Ninjen, which literally translates as human, is a 20 to 30 meter long bulbous creature that was originally spotted by a Japanese research vessel off the coast of Antarctica. The creature is described as having a pale white human-like figure with a torso, appendages and fingers like ours, <laughs> but with a mermaid-esque tail. It's also described as having minimal facial features, with a small slitted mouth and two vacuous eyes. The Ninjen sea creature has been spotted primarily at night and in colder waters, leading some to believe that it has been hiding in the Arctic beneath the ice. And some say that it may have previously undiscovered species of albino ray, although the description of those who have encountered it is distinctly different. There are several lacklustre videos and questionable photos circulating the internet that purport to show the Ningen sea creature in its natural environment. But like most cryptids, none uh, provide definite proof. Though that hasn't warranted an abandonment of the sea of the search for this amphibious wraith, scientists continue to discover multitudes of new marine species in the depths of the ocean at a regular basis. 
So we've got the creature that found like hydrothermal vents, there's all sorts of stuff. And, and they're so new we're finding these things, you know. The Ningen sea creature made an anecdotal tale among the Japanese sailors and fishermen. There is a rumour that the Japanese government is taking reports of the Ningen seriously. Amassing a trove of putative accounts, right? And the same, but the Japanese government, they reckon they might even be destroying evidence or trying to have a bit of a government cover-up, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know. But the question is now, do you want to see one of the photographs oh, of do it? do I? Yeah. That's what it looks like. Oh, God, it does look like human, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. And I'll describe it to the, to the fair listener here. And it is, looks just like that. It looks like a long humanoid body with arms sort of trailing behind yeah. it, you know. But it's travelling at speed. And one thing they say about the ninja is, though, that there's shoals of fish follow it around. For its cack. <laughs> Possibly for its cack, who knows. But it shows there. What's to say this isn't the Kraken? Wow. A large bulbous body which is big enough to rise and be as big as an island. Yeah. Long tentacles and arms. This could be the creature which has got other fish following it around. Could be the one. Could be the one. The Ningen could actually be our Kraken. Kraken <laughs> 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 episode. Oh, so it's now we're going to vent the tanks and go to the surface. Yeah. And after that, what we can do, we've got to remember that rum that you got, the Kraken rum, yeah. the other side. <laughs> Delve straight into so it. So we can get straight into it. <laughs> oh, lovely. And it's been thirsty work as it's casting. Not ah, wow. So it only remains for me to say goodbye, so it's a big bye-bye from Matt. Nice, it's a bigger bye-bye from Benny. Take care, guys. See ya. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Cove or Instagram at Pod. Ha ha!